This episode is brought to you by Play by Maretrika Sports, the fundamental tool for every coach and analyst. Play can be useful to any sport team that wants to improve performance and utilize video analysis for that. Code key moments of the game, analyze and share them with the staff and players. Create your free account now at maretrika-sports.com. Use promotional code QUIETLEADERSHIP in your registration to get all the paid features and 50 minutes of automatic detection for 30 days. Play by Maretrika Sports, the power behind the game. Welcome to Quiet Leadership with me, Adam. I was a player to a decent level and have been around many different personalities, coaches and squads in my time. I've also been coaching for 10 years and I now feel in a good place with my coaching, although this wasn't always the case. In my podcast, I talk about my experiences, my beliefs and the way I found really works with player connection and development. Topics will range from player ownership and sessions that look like the game to language and ways we connect with players without portraying that army corporal stance. I share many coaching ideas on Twitter, so please follow me there, at Mr A Lot. Thanks for listening. Hello everyone, I'm back. Been away for a month or, or whatever. Um, basically, the reason I've been away is, is hay fever. Um, struggle with hay fever quite badly and talking for prolonged periods is quite difficult when you have hay fever Um, I'm still struggling now Um, so I'll try my best (laughs) if I cough I'm sorry just turn it down (laughs) so I've just seen a post from Jake Humphreys Um, if you don't know who he is he's um, a presenter predominantly for BT um, and uh, he does the high performance podcast and it was um, basically about schools killing creativity um, and I, I do agree with it um, anyway this podcast for me is is you know as coaches sort of killing creativity and killing basically when to use an analogy when the flower starts growing or the plant starts growing you know, it's growing up the fence. We're constantly snipping away at it to sco- to sort of mould it to what we want, whereas we're better off letting it choose its own path, really. Um, so, yeah, don't kill creativity. Um, let your people, players, whoever they are, find out who they are um, as they grow. And I want to reference my childhood, so um, shout out to my parents, to be honest. Um, I had a lot of freedom as a kid. Um, I'll try and paint a a picture for you. So we lived in a nice cul-de-sac. You had a big bit of grass where we could play football, loads of forests around and fields where we could go and climb the trees and and whatnot. And... um, about ten, a 10 minute walk or five minute uh, bike ride was you know the local little town where there was shops and tennis courts and friends and our school um, 
luckily in that cul-de-sac I had uh, an array of children that I used to play with um, I was the oldest one and there was um, <coughs> a couple just younger than me and then a sprinkling of all different ages and we all had such a good time you know through the years growing up um, you know we used to play out from dusk till dawn basically when the uh, you know I'd eat my breakfast I'd, I'd go out I'd look at my again didn't get told by parents or anything you know from the age of seven I probably played out and until the age of 15 believe it or not um, and you sort of look at your watch and you'd go oh is that a bit early to knock on knock on his door to see if he's coming out to play oh, I'll try it anyway um, you know and you go knock knock for everyone and everyone plays out you play in the woods you climb the trees you play football you go around people's houses um, you jump out of their top window onto a bloody trampoline nuts looking back at it but you know that's the freedom we had and um anyway yeah my parents were very relaxed um you know go and play out come back for lunch if you want it um come back for dinner if you want it it'll be here when you want it uh my sort of curfew was um orientated by the lamp posts <laughs> So if the lights went on, oh, okay, yep, it's about time to go home now. Try and stretch it a little bit, and then, um, and then eventually, trundle off home. And uh, so that was your general sort of childhood. And then, sort of um, looking at homework and sort of revising for GCSEs and stuff like that. My parents were so um, lenient with me, let's say. It was sort of, you know, they they'd sort of say, look, if you want if you want good things, you have to study, and you know, if you want to try and achieve that exam and and, and pass it or whatever, you know, you've got to study, and then later in life, with my driving um, theory, uh, the first time, I thought, nah, that'd be all right. I know that. I won't bother. Went all that way, failed it, and then I thought, yep maybe I do need to put a bit of revision in here so I don't do it again and then uh, I passed it so it was all trial and error sort of given to me by my parents really and um, you know they they weren't they weren't pushy as in you know you sit down you're not going out until you've done your homework blah 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 they just told me the sort of you know not consequences but um what will happen if you do or don't you know if you if you do put the work in then you know you're open to getting better things or or whatever in life and if you don't well you need to understand that you didn't try so that's why you haven't got um this or that or got far or whatever um and then i'll reference oh actually i just want to touch on and also you know, some days I'd think, do you know what? I want to stay in and just play the PlayStation and play FIFA today. I don't want to go out with my friends. So it was very, very relaxed. And I chose basically my rules, what I wanted to do. And I don't feel, you know, I'm, I'm some people that, some people that get given everything, they sort of, they grow up to be quite arrogant and not very nice people. And I feel, I feel I'm all right. Some people won't say, well, I am. But um, yeah, I feel I've got quite a, 
a level-headed sort of asp- uh, look, look on life and and uh, I'm trying to give that to, to my kids now. It's, it's a bit harder than it was back in the day. But um, I'll go on to my school life as well. So didn't really like school. I like the social aspect of it, meeting friends and, and whatnot. And, uh, you know, like the PE that we did or the art or the music. Again, I was creative. I liked those sort of subjects. Uh, um, but, yeah, I didn't really like the maths or the English and stuff. And things that have stood out for me, talking about English, um, when we were in secondary school, um, primary school was really good. You know, I, I enjoyed that. It was fun. Secondary school, you know, there was it was literally this is what we're doing and this is how you have to do it um for example in english uh we had to stand up in front of the class so nobody got a choice stand up in front of the class and you have to speak about politics um everybody's going to have an individual sort of topic or whatever to to talk about and i was just like nah you know at this time i was 15 or 16 I was like, nah, this just doesn't sit right with me. I, I hate politics. I'm not interested in it at all. Why do I want to stand up in front of that class and talk about it? It just doesn't excite me. So, sort of a few weeks went by, you know, sort of like a 50 minute ses- uh, lesson, and I got away with it. I didn't get picked to go up to the front, and I thought, oh, that was a touch. But I was so nervous sitting in that class, like, thinking, oh, my God, she's going to pick me next. Anyway, I got away with it. And in the end, coming out of that third lesson, I thought, I just can't do this. This is not good for my mental health and just how I'm feeling. And my mum did notice that I was a bit different at home and I was a a lot more worried with stuff. And eventually she got out of me what it was. Um, and she said, well, again, you know, no pressure. She wasn't sorting it. It was up to me. She said, um, <coughs> sorry. She said, um, well, if you're not happy with it, you've got to do something about it. So in the end, I went to a teacher that I liked and I said, look, they're making us do this in English. I don't agree with it and I don't want to do it. And he was quite understanding and he was a bit more of a a bit more on the kid's wavelength shall I say and um, he went to speak to this English teacher and she came back with a sort of an ultimatum Um, if you can't stand up in front of the class and do it uh, you will have to do it in your lunch break in front of me um, uh, in the drama hall because she was a drama and English student uh, teacher and I would get two or three grades lower than if I did it in front of the class. And I said, yeah, don't care. That's that's fine by me. Let's go. And, um, you know, looking back on that sort of that sort of time, it was completely wrong, completely wrong. Why? Why should we be made to stand up? You know, all these different kids going through different things. Some are confident, some aren't. I mean, if if we'd have chosen our subject, maybe I'd have been a bit, been a bit more, well, you know, okay, I like this subject, come on, let's just do it, you know, let's get it over and done with. You know, if it was football or something or music or whatever, I um, might have felt, felt a bit more confident about doing it. But again, 
one way fits all, square peg, round hole, and all of that. And it um, it it, ha- it did have a big effect on me. I mean, before I spoke to that teacher, um, the lo- the next couple of lessons, because you have sort of two or three English lessons a week, I actually went and sat them out in the toilet. <laughs> I sat them out in the toilet, and I, I I would never be one for doing that. I sat them out in the toilet, um, and didn't and didn't go. And it's looking back at it, it's terrible, really, putting kids in situations that they don't really want to be in just because that is what the school curriculum wants you to do. Um, just going through a list, and then so we'll fast forward to now. I'm a coach, as you all know, and um, you, some of you might have seen some of my tweets recently. Uh, some of my players have had trials for the different various places. So um, I haven't been at training for a while, and we've all sort of been split up. You know, there's been four sort of training with my assistant coach, and the others have been off at different trials. Anyway, last week we were all back together and we had a great fun session so it was a a pitch so uh uh i'd say a size of the pitch 5v5 pitch let's say but quite a big one um and a goal in the middle just poles we just use poles and i said right there you go then guys i said there's a goal in the middle um there's you know you come up with it you come up with the stuff um, I said, Alex, who's our goalie, this is going to be great for you because you're going to constantly be having to swivel round and turn round. You're going to get lots of saves. Off you go. But just one thing I will say, if any of you think of a way we can change the game, please say it. Put your hand up, shout it out, let us know, and we will just add it in. We'll add stuff in. So the game's going on. It's so intense. Bang, 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 bang. From side to side. Um, because you can shoot from anywhere. You can shoot from both sides. Uh, they're switching the ball. You know, it's it's very intense. Um, then the goalie, who, bearing in mind, is the year below. So, again, uh, not maybe not where some of the other players are, sort of socially. He puts his hand up. And I say, yeah, Alex, yeah, what we got? He said, people are in front of me quite a bit. Can I create an area where they can't go in? Brilliant, Alex, let's do that. So I went off to get some flat discs and I made basically a circle around the goal where people couldn't go in. So we carry on. Um, then someone shouts out, can we have a forfeit if someone goes in there? Because... By then, there'd be a few, there'd been a few times where a couple were chancing it and were going in there. So they came up with um, 10 star jumps or burpees, whatever you call them, if you go in there. Then another 5-10 minutes went past and someone else said, what about if you go in there, you've got to run round that circle five times. Brilliant, yep, let's do that. So everyone was loving that and laughing at it when people were running round. Um... Then uh, one of the girls, Sydney, she said, can we push people in there? So can you push the opposition team in there? And we were laughing as coaches and we said, 
yeah, yeah, you can. And this is where you step in just with a little bit of guidance. And I said, what's a good push, though? What's a good push and a bad push in football? And they sort of demoed a bad push. You know, you'd get a free kick for that given against you. Uh, but a good push was sort of using your body, using your elbow and, you know, your your side and whatnot. Um, so then that was added, a bit of that going on. And then you can see the goalie thinking, hmm, well, if they can push, can I pull people in? Go to the edge of my area and pull people in? And I said, brilliant, yeah. Like a catfish waiting for something to go by and he suddenly grabs it and pulls it in. Brilliant. So they did that. Then they were getting a bit tired because they'd been playing this for about 30 minutes and then someone else sort of said um can we make it three passes before you can shoot now i don't know whether they said that because they understood that that would slow it down that's a brilliant way if they did um but it did it slowed it down gave them a bit of breathing time and then um they decided to get rid of that idea because they wanted it more intense again. So it was a great a great session. Um, and they, they, they were coming up with stuff, you know. And people on the side watching it or other coaches might think, well, what have they learnt in there? And you think, well, massive social and psychological aspects in there. They're playing the game constantly. They're constantly moving. You've got different angles of passing, tackling, uh, support. So if the ball switched and there's only one v three, can you get over and help him? You've got the goalie constantly being worked. Um, it was just amazing. Uh, another story that I want to tell you about. This is a couple of years ago. So um, I had a team that were would probably have been going into under nines then. Um, I I came up again. I love playing games and stuff. Came up with a game where it's a match, normal game, two goals. You know, <coughs> apologies. Um, and every player I had a I had a list, and every player was worth a price. You know, two million or whatever. Two million or five million, I think it was. I can't remember actually what it was. Um, I made our goalie more expensive so that he he um, felt good, you know, uh, specialist sort of position. Anyway, the game's going on, and I said to him, right, so what you can do is if you complete this challenge, that's right, sorry, I had another sheet with different challenges on, so it might be combined with a 1, 2 and score, yep, you earn your, you earn your team 2 million, bank balance. Um, and then another one might be... Um, get a nutmeg, that's another two million. So different aspects like that in the game earn you money. Now, one team was spending money like crazy, so they would get two million and they'd spend two million on a player from the opposition team straight away. They'd just blow it straight away like a teenager. I've got money, I need to spend it on new clothes. The other team kept saving their money, kept saving their money. And I was looking and uh, talking to my assistant. And then we were sort of, again, us as coaches were getting a little bit frustrated because, you know, the aim of the game was to spend the money and enjoy it. And the session was nearly, you know, nearly over and whatnot. Anyway, they were saving their money and saving their money. Actually, and I must step in here and say, 
actually what it was was uh, players were valued differently but they didn't know the other team didn't know that um so they they'd come across and look and you you'd have one player valued at maybe 8 million and then another player valued at 5 million plus if you buy them you get you get a penalty and stuff like this all different different ones now some people will say oh that's a bit degrading on some well it wasn't because we were giving good things to the lesser players if you brought them actually but uh, anyway back to the story this team was saving their money and saving their money and we were stepping in and saying look you need to spend it it's nearly over um and because the other team was spending their money constantly they didn't build up enough to buy for um one of the most expensive players on the other team but eventually they did and as soon as that team brought the other team who were saving money brought their best player the team that was saving money brought their best player straight back and i stopped the session and i said was that intentional did you did you mean that and they said yeah we understood that jaden was our best player and we saved our money so that every time they brought him we could buy him back now there were three of us coaches there that day and not one of us had thought about that and it blew my mind you know you, as coaches we think we've got everything nailed down and written down and worked out because we have time at home to s- session plan and stuff and that absolutely blew my mind because they come up with something amazing and I hadn't thought about it and it was so you know it was so good yeah um, well, funny enough, we haven't done it since, but I should do it actually again and, and see what outcomes now they're that bit older. What you know, what happens? Um, leads me on to say, stop controlling everything. There's more than one way, which is that that has just shown. There's more than one way. Let them work it out. As coaches, we get our players to play the way we think about football, and we design sessions to brainwash kids to think the same, which we do. Our sessions should be the opposite. Get them deciding what works and having experiences. So there's that eight old. I'm gonna, I'm gonna say a quote here, but I can't quite remember it. But it is something like, give a man a rod, give a man a fish, and he'll eat for a day. Um, give someone a rod and let them work out how to fish, and they'll feed themselves for life. Something like that. You know, sorry about that. I don't coming in with a quote I don't even know about, <laughs> but um, it's true. A one-hour session should have a minimum of fifty scenarios for a player to tackle. I feel two hundred minimum touches of a ball, and that's just based on an average sort of seven v seven match in training. Um, and the best way to achieve this is letting them play in an environment you've built. Let them play. Um, I put a tweet out the other day people loved it it was different pitch um, setups so you can have a really small pitch you can have a really big pitch they've got to work out oh that works on a small pitch but doesn't work on a big one um, and vice versa stop thinking stop thinking they need our help it doesn't excel or speed up their development 
it just makes them needy and robotic and they rely on you basically you know popcorn is all cooked in the same bowl but they all pop at different times I want to touch on Brazil and their street culture Brazil produced some of the best technical footballers you will see and have seen probably for 50 years they all play in the streets they play street soccer there's different age groups there's seven-year-olds playing with 15 year olds you know there's multiple touches there's the social the psychological aspects there's the constant repetition of playing it never goes out it bounces off the cage wall try try just for for a few weeks to replicate that at your training the intensity will go up their fitness will go up and their their decision making will go up instead of telling them to constantly in, sorry instead of telling them so instructing them right i need you to do this don't do too much of this otherwise we're letting a go blah 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 blah, blah. you're better off creating scenarios where they can figure out what works and what doesn't so i've touched on this already really small pitch big pitch what works in tight areas what doesn't um and people will say well my team need to work on their pressing they don't press they stand off too much okay so that's up to you as a coach then to work on pressing but in a disguised manner where it's still a game and you're giving them fun challenges or maybe you set out a pitch and it's got three areas and you say if we were gonna or show me what really good pressing looks like today please best team gets five goals at the end you've got three sections in the pitch how could that help you and you know they'll come up with it they will fill your bag you don't have to chuck stuff at them so there you go little little podcast um i haven't done one for a while so hopefully it helps hopefully it gets you thinking about uh about not not being too controlling and and letting them letting them be creative well thank you for listening to the podcast I hope it opens your eyes to a different way of coaching. You might already coach like this, then great. I just I thought I'd do it to get some ideas out there. Um, hopefully change a few people's minds and see where we go from there. See you next time. Thank you.